wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM. Welcome to Drive Time. This is Big Q&A, the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. My name is Joseph Matichich and I'm the secretary for the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And I'm delighted to be your host for the program today. So welcome along to Drive Time, wherever you might be joining us today. Our text line number is 0488 880811. That number again, 0488 880811. Love to hear from you. Any questions, comments, and your feedback to our show. Here on Drive Time, we have been doing a series on the theme of does God have a message for us today? Over these last few weeks, we have been looking at this theme and this topic, and we have seen that, yes, there is a special message for our time. This week, we will explore some end-time prophecies, prophecies that are not often studied or understood. Joining me today is Pastor William Mawala, pastor of the Paravista Seventh Adventist Church, as well as the Gawler Seventh Adventist Churches here in Adelaide, South Australia. Good afternoon, William. Good evening, Joseph. Glad to be with you once again. Well, here we are in lockdown uh, due to this uh, COVID, this new Delta strain that's that's spreading around, and uh, we have to. Um, uh, uh, broadcast uh, remotely, William. But fortunately, we're we're still able to uh, to do it and to, uh, to to run drive time. So that you know, praise God for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, William, w- we have had some uh, church members um, not happy uh, with the closure closure of churches. Uh, they, they feel that we are. By you know shutting out ch- churches uh, to to services and to, to to gatherings, they feel that is is this a, like a case of allowing the government uh, to dictate worship? I want to ask you, William, um, is the closure of churches a case of us obeying the government instead of God? Yeah, that's a pretty tough question because um, you know as pastors we we deal with uh, congregations and people have their own perspective on how things are unfolding in our culture. So, yeah, the, the reality is um, we've been told as churches, not just churches, businesses and, you know, across the state have been told to close uh, for the time being. And that has caused some people to be, you know, as you said, they're not happy, um, quite frustrated in some some regards. But I, I, think what, I think that there's a principle that needs to be a... Um, shared here this evening, Joseph, and that is the idea that um, the government's not necessarily telling us we cannot worship. Mm. They're, they're simply just saying that um, the places of worship where we would regularly, regularly, regularly congregate, um, those places are off limits just for the very time being. Um, so I think that's very clear. There's a distinction between closing a specific location and then actually stopping us from worshipping. And I think the first one is what's been um, implemented in our, particularly in our state here in South Australia. So there's the one aspect. And I think there is another principle that just comes to mind, Joseph. You know, 
there's that text in um, um, the Bible tells us in Romans uh, 13 verse 1, um, it, it talks about um, it talks about being subjected to the governing authorities. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, and, you know, I think on the one hand, we have to um, be law-abiding citizens in one respect. Yes. But then I think the concern is how far will this go? You know, it might start with very, you know, uh, seemingly um, non, you know, non-threatening divisive issues such as, you know, close the building. But there are some in our ranks that say this is the beginning of, you know, bigger things to come. So, yeah, we can't speculate. We can only go off what we've, um, what the current um, directives are. So they've just told us, you know, keep the, keep the buildings uh, closed for the time being in light of this COVID that's been spreading around. But certainly there'll come a time when, you know, we'll have to um, think and pray together as a church um, how we move forward. Um, but I think at this stage, the idea of worship is certainly not being restricted. It's simply the no. place of worship. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I've said to my congregation, yeah, obviously um, the churches may have been closed this weekend, but you're free to worship together and, you know, whether on Zoom or, you know. Um, so it's, yes, yeah, so I think that's probably where we're at at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, William. And we also understand clearly the Bible tells us that um, uh, as believers in Jesus Christ, uh, as as his believers, uh, we are we are his church. Uh, uh, it tells us clearly in First Corinthians that uh, you are the temple of the Holy mm. Spirit. He, he dwells in you. Uh, in other words, that the the, um, the church is not just it's not a building. Um, it, it is us. Uh, it is it, it, it's believers, um, yeah. and uh, there is certainly nothing here about believers um, stopping their faith in God, serving Him, believing in Him, um, praying to Him, uh, worshiping Him. So, yeah, that that's that's really important to to point out. Um, now, William, um, I I came across something um, actually just yesterday, uh, and I I wanted to sort of have a. a us to, to just explore this uh, uh, for a moment. Uh, it was uh, just a, a news article report uh, that that that's titled uh, "These These Australians Were Cast Out by Their Religions, But They Have No Regrets." Uh, and it's it's a it's an article about um, uh, certain uh, people being um, uh, removed from their from their denomination or from their religion. Um, it it, it uh, it talks about here um, a, a, a Catholic priest in Queensland. Uh, then it talks about a, a person who was part of the Jehovah's Witness faith and who, who actually left that and how he felt sort of, well, how, how they disfellowshipped him afterwards. Um, and then a person who left the, the Mormon faith. And um, what, what, what's interesting is, uh, William, here, as, as this article goes on, it, it talks about... Uh, referring particularly here to the Catholic priests that were uh, removed from from their from that denomination, um, what what caught my eye? Now, now, William, uh, it, you know, we we want to make it really clear that, um, yeah, we're not here to to point out anything about any any particular faith, and above all, we 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 firmly believe that uh, we are. Um, Bible-believing Christians who want to follow Jesus, and and we want to treat people uh, with respect and respect people's choices too. Um, so that that's really clear. But what really caught my eye here, uh, as I read about this uh, about this article, 
as I said, it's titled These Australians Were Cast Out of Their Religion. Uh, and then it, it, it begins by, by describing these, um, uh, referring to these two Catholic priests um, that, that have um, that they have been uh, removed because the article says that they challenged church, or church orthodoxy and, and practiced their own controversial brand of Catholicism. And as a result, they were dismissed. Um, uh, and uh, and the the, uh, the priest that's quoted here, he says that he's now moved far away from the Catholic Church. Uh, he says, I don't believe in the Catholic Church or even the Christian faith. Um, uh, yeah, which I thought, oh, okay, that's, yeah, this person has actually moved on. Um, and it says that he's a small, he, he's part of a small group of Australians who've been cast out of their religions. For some, it's a badge of honour after a long fight. For others, it can be a deeply traumatising event. Um but with uh, this scenario, with this particular situation here, the, the, these former Catholic priests who were, who, um, who were cast out, the article says this about them. For them, the scriptures were never meant to be taken literally. Instead, it's all about exploring the metaphorical messages and, in quotes, finding your own truth. That really caught my eye, William, um, that the fact that, that they say there that the, the scriptures, uh, the Bible, was never meant to be taken literally. Instead, right. it's all just about exploring metaphorical messages and, and, and finding your own truth. Now, William, do you see any dangers in that approach? Yeah, I, I think probably just my gut response to that is I think a lot of times, see, there's two ways. We either come to the Bible and submitting our own you know, preconceived ideas, our own conceptions of reality, and we submit ourselves to the rev- the revelation of God's word. Yes. And look, I don't know this particular priest or this particular person individually as such, but, you know, the Bible says uh, things about itself that we cannot take lightly or just, you know, just leave aside. You know, I couldn't help but think of a number of scriptures, Joseph, when you were talking. Um, you know, Peter talks about in Second Peter about... Um, people twisting the scriptures to their own destruction. Mm, and I mm. think I think there is a gradual, I guess, uh, loosening uh, 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 kind of this falling away, if you will, from the inspired word of God. And I think what's happening in this climate, you see, we have to understand, Joseph, that we're in, a, we're in a, this battle between good and evil. Yes. And, and Satan knows the you know, the authoritative divine nature of God's word. And so it doesn't surprise me that there are some clergy now who are basically either dismissing the scriptures or kind of being selective, saying it's not literal. We have to just look for the hidden meaning as such. But, you know, you know, Paul, the apostle Paul, the great evangelist, he, he told Timothy, you know, in um, Second Timothy, he said to don't be ashamed of the word of God. Mm. He said a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So if we can, if Paul's injunction to Timothy is to rightly divide, there is obviously the other side of the coin. We could actually wrongly divide it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, look, I think that's a warning for all of us who hold positions of faith is how do we respond to the revealed uh, counsel of scripture? Do we just, kind of, you know, do we take it as authoritative and do we align ourselves uh, with this, what the Scripture says or do we do like what some are doing now is basically sounds like a very subjective 
um, kind of approach to the Bible. And that's a very dangerous thing. You ask me what's the implication. I think it's dangerous because what ends up happening is that you end up making a God out of your own devising. And I think that's largely why um, there are so many denominations, and that's probably another talk. Mm. But this idea of, um, you know, we'll take a bit of that truth and we'll leave that behind. And so, yeah, I think there is a, a general, I think the general, there's a general moving away from the biblical foundations, if you will, of, of what the Bible means to us as a, a people, as a church, and particularly for clergy as well. So, yeah, it's a signs of the time, to be honest, Joseph, and we just have to see what's happening yes. and, you know, always bring our thoughts and our understanding, what people are doing and saying in our culture. We have to bring it back to the Bible. We can't let others dictate, you know, how we should understand the Bible because the Bible has stood the test of time. We have to just prayerfully read it and understand it and by God's grace live according to the Bible. I really like how you said there that the Bible has stood the test of time and, and, and truly it has. It yep. really has. Um, centuries, millennia, uh, it, it's been there um, and, uh, and it's survived all, all, all the various attacks against it and whatever else and it still stands as, as the word of God and um, the reality is, William, that um, it, it is the basis for all rule and faith and practice. Yeah. Um, and uh, it does describe it elsewhere as a sword that, that divide, yeah. divides. It does, it does challenge. And so there will be things in there that, that will challenge, that will confront, that will yeah. expose. Uh, yet uh, the option is not to say, oh, okay, well, that doesn't really align with some 21st century methods yeah. or lifestyles and therefore we're going to reinterpret it or or consider it as archaic not yeah. at all um at the end of the day if we do not have uh, the scriptures the bible as as the basis as the standard we do not have a, a foundation on which to build anything on yeah and, uh, and so yeah i, I really I appreciate your thoughts there yeah and uh, yeah, no, look, that's that, that's really good. And so, look, um, that's that's why I, I want us um, to uh, just listen to this to this song. That we, we're going to take a break right now, and then we, when we come back from this song, we're going to plunge into our topic for today, which is a really interesting one. And um, yeah, we, we we need to we need to look at through it very very carefully. So I'm looking forward to to that one, William. Uh, but we've been talking about the Bible, taking it seriously. So let's listen to this. Uh, lovely song which actually tells us about taking the Bible seriously. Give me the Bible. Enjoy. Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming To cheer the wander, lone and tempest-tossed No storm can hide that peaceful radiance beaming since Jesus came to seek and save the lost Give me the Bible, holy message shining Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way Precept and promise, law and love combining Till night shall vanish in eternal day Give me the Bible when my heart is broken When sin and grief have filled my soul with fear Give me the precious words by Jesus spoken 
faith's lamp to show my Savior dear. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till night shall vanish in eternal day. steps enlightened Teach me the danger of these realms below That lamp of safety or the gloom shall brighten That light alone the path of peace can't show Give me the Bible Holy message shining Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way Precept and promise Law and love combining Till night shall vanish In eternal day In eternal day In eternal Listen to Faith FM anytime, anywhere with the free Faith FM app. Available on the Apple App Store and the Android Google Play Store. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A with Joseph Matichich and William Mawala. And uh, this week we are looking at end time prophecies. But today our question is an interesting one and it is this. Why do so many worship on Sunday? And my co-host today with me, William Mawala, together we're going to explore and look at this, at this, at this important uh, question. Why do so many go to church on Sunday? Now, William, um, th- this is an, an interesting topic. You know, um, m- most, most Christians, uh, you know, worship on, on Sunday and, uh, when you when you talk with most Christians, they they will essentially uh, explain that um, well, you know, th- they might recognise that um, uh, certainly in the Old Testament, uh, the Jews kept kept the seventh day Sabbath. And interestingly enough, in, in our last, I should say this, a very last uh, episode on on Drive Time um, uh, with with Nick Cret Nick Cret and Tracy Papandreou, uh, they looked at the um, the whole topic of uh, the seventh day Sabbath, uh, and, and covered that one. Um, and so, uh, that, that if you've missed that, that program, uh, check it out, uh, on the website or download the app and, and, uh, pick that one up. Because today we're looking at, uh, why do then, why do so many worship on, worship on Sunday? Uh, William, 
uh, as we look at this, um, as, as we start off, it, it's probably really important to st- state here right at the outset we, that we want to come and look at what the Bible says. We're not here to uh, have a go at any particular uh, denomination or, or any individual. We simply want to explore biblically uh, the, this question. And so that's why, uh, as we start off, we, we're going to actually look at particularly what does the Bible have to say about this? Because if a lot of people they would say something along the lines of this. Now, there'd be some variations to it, but essentially it would be something along these lines. Uh, in the Old Testament, the Jews had the Sabbath. Uh, then when Jesus came, uh, we find that um, he, he challenged the Sabbath. He did some miracles on the Sabbath. He upset religious leaders. And then after his death and his resurrection, uh, the early Christians began to move to Sunday and uh, the first day of the week and uh and then some will even say, well, it was on the first day of the week that Jesus rose from the dead. And so we, we now worship in honor of the resurrection. And, and so now we, we, that, that's, that's part of the reason. Now, I may have simple presented that a little bit simplistically, William, but are you familiar a little bit with that, um, some of that uh, explanation that some uh, Christians would give? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I just want to probably say at the outset, um, Joseph is, you know, this topic is, is close to my heart because, um, you know, as a Seventh-day Adventist pastor, um, I've been eight years now in ministry. But my testimony is um, I came out of Sunday churches and, um, you know. Okay. So, yeah, okay. so this is, this is something that's um, it's close to my heart because it's, although we're sharing, I guess, a lot of, uh, you know, we're sharing what the Bible teaches, but it's, it's also a personal approach because, um, you know, I still remember when I was 23 years old um, living in Bankstown in the um, – out there in the southwest of Sydney, um, there was an evangelist from overseas that had come to Bankstown and he ran basically what we call in our faith group a, a prophecy seminar. Okay. And, uh, and it was in that time, Joseph, that I really, for the first time, knew or heard anything about the biblical teaching of the Sabbath. And I still remember to this day kind of a um, little bit um, – Defensive, if I could put it that way, not wanting to hear what uh, the evangelist was saying. But, you know, one thing that sticks out for me, Joseph, um, they, they were handing out basically right at the door, straight after this presentation on the Sabbath, a little tract. And it was just a little photocopied little thing that they'd stapled together. But I still remember it like it was yesterday. And the, the title was 100 Documented Facts on the Sabbath. And it was basically a bullet point uh, handout of all the times the the Sabbath is mentioned in Scripture. And I can tell you, Joseph, when I went home, uh, I would read it and I would kind of throw it against the wall because the truth was right in front of me. And at the time, I was going to a particular uh, Sunday church and I don't know if I was ready to hear what the Lord was trying to reveal to me. But praise God, long story short, uh, I embraced um, this beautiful teaching and... um, so, uh, yeah, just it's a bit of a personal thing. And no doubt for some of our listeners tonight, they have a very similar experience. And um, they've come to know this beautiful teaching of the Sabbath. And once they've accepted that in their hearts, it's really changed their lives. And, um, and I often say to people when I talk to people, just about the Sabbath, it's, there are a lot of teachings that you can share with a person that they could perhaps accept intellectually. You can accept that there is a God. You can accept that Jesus is the Messiah. But when you talk about the Sabbath, it immediately forces you 
to change how you are living because now God is actually saying to you, if you follow through with what I'm going to say, you're going to have to make some changes in terms of how you would spend your Sabbath, which is what we're going to find out today, which is a Saturday, and the implications of that. I used to work at a supermarket at the time when I was 23. And um, so, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot more than just accepting it intellectually. It actually, it's one of those teachings that if we truly want to follow it, it is actually going to change how we live our life. And I can tell you now, uh, it has been the best thing that I have. I can't say the best because there's a lot of things that you can say the best, but it's certainly been such a blessing to me when I've um, embraced it and I've allowed the Lord to, to lead me in that in that uh, path, it's been a wonderful journey. Really appreciate you actually sharing that, that William, particularly you, your experience on this. Yeah. So that, that, that's, that's, that's valuable. That, that is really, really valuable. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to just explain to our listeners, um, this is really part two of, okay. of our last uh, drive time program. As I said, uh, the last drive time um, about uh, yeah, where, where we looked at the, the whole topic of um, – of the Sabbath, uh, uh, which was uh, with Nick Kretter and Tracy Papandreou, does God have a special day? So if you miss that one, that you know, does God have a special day? And Tracy and Nick uh, presented very clearly that, yes, God does have a special day. It's the seventh day, uh, the, the Sabbath. So then uh, today we need to then say, okay, well, if God does have a special day, it's the seventh day, why then do so many worship on Sunday? It, it, it yep. just follows to ask this question. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to just uh, put this out, and we, then we'll, we'll plunge straight into uh, our, our Bible texts for today, is that um, th- this week we're looking at... Um, understanding Bible prophecies. And in the coming um, presentations, uh, programs this coming week, um, you, you will notice that there is a link with this this whole issue of Sabbath and Sunday, and that's what we're looking at it today. So it, this is actually uh, 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 not sort of all connected, and so uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned to, to drive time uh, all of this week. Um, that, that's really important. So, William, uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier that... Um, uh, yeah, a lot of Christians uh, look at uh, the New Testament. And they say, "Yeah, in the New Testament, it shows that um, uh, it, that, that pe- the early believers began to worship on Sunday." Well, well let, why don't we actually let the Bible speak for itself? So let's see. Um, how many texts are there all up that mention the first day of the week? Do we even know? Yeah. Well, I think if you look at the New Testament, there are I think there are eight texts uh, is- specific verses. That's, okay, so there is a total of only eight verses that mention the first day of the week. Yes. Okay. Well, that's that's not many to start off with. Yeah. So um, if you don't mind, Joseph, we could um, very briefly just run through them because what you'll notice is it's a very just, as you'll see, it's just mentioning, a, a, you know, just mentioning the day in general. But there are, there is one at the end that I wouldn't mind spending a few minutes just unpacking because this particular text in Acts that I'm thinking about. Okay. That's okay. the text that, that some Christians say, hey, what's going on there? It seems to imply a Sunday okay. worship service event. So okay. um, so there's eight texts. So let me just just read through them very briefly because they're not very long. And um, and you'll see here that um, how it's mentioned that there's not necessarily a lot of contentional discussions merely mentioning it. So here we go. So the first one is in Matthew 28 and verse 1. 
And the text says there, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. So it's just talking about what happened there on mm. the, uh, Sunday morning after the Sabbath. I'll, I'll just go through very quickly. I just want you to catch that the, the word first day is mentioned. What you'll notice is, is it's just referencing uh, something that happened, okay? Yeah. Uh, Mark 16, 1 and 2. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Verse 2. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. So a lot of these verses, Joseph, talking about um, early Sunday morning, when uh, the resurrection morning. Mark mm-hmm. 16, 9. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. I'll keep going. Luke 24 and verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Uh, John 20 and verse 1. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, but while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And then the just very last two is in the Gospel of John. Uh, you got one reference there in chapter 20 and verse 1. It says there, now the first day of the week, that's the reference to the first day, Sunday, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then a little out, little down the, the chapter in verse 19, it says there in chapter 20 of the Gospel of John, then the same day of evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Very important there. Mm-hmm. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. So if you look at that, Joseph, you've got uh, about eight verses there. And if you look at, look at them in your own time, if you're listening tonight, listening on, on the radio, um, you'll see that there is no, not necessarily anything mentioning uh, a worship experience or a change of a day as such. It's just, um, it's just stating what happened on that day. And a lot of them were talking to the uh, first day of the week, early Sunday morning, uh, the resurrection uh, morning. Yeah, so that, they, what you're pointing out there, William, is all of those so far that you, you, you've mentioned. And um, um, now that's, that's six different references there, there actually, uh, yeah. different places. All of that are simply referring to the resurrection uh, just just uh, stating the yeah. stating the fact that that's all it is. Now that last one, William, uh, it talked talked about the the disciples being uh, assembled together. Now some people might say, "Aha, there you go. See, they're 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 assembled together. They're gathered together. They they they're gathered together for worship." But the text doesn't actually state that at all. It, it's it, it's pointed out there, and you're highlighting it. They were gathered together for what? For the fear mm. of the. Yeah, fear of the, the Jews. Jews. Yeah, because what had taken place is you know the crucifixion and uh, yeah that they the disciples themselves were still in a state of you know disappointment and shock with all the events that had transpired, yep. trying to make sense of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wondered if maybe uh, you know some the Jewish leaders might be after them. They might be next. Uh, didn't yeah. So all of this is going on. This is not a case of where there is a a, a change. Um, and you would think that. 
as as it was clearly presented in in our last drive time program. Yes, um, that the the seventh day, the Sabbath, is, is so clearly presented in a number of places. You would think that if there is to be a significant change, that there would be something much more specific and explicit than that. So, what we've covered mm-hmm. so far, none of these verses can be a basis for. Uh, seeing anything significant about uh, the first day of the week uh, being being a new day of worship. Yeah, absolutely. And just to reiterate that as well, Joseph. So, and, and I hope that our listeners are, are are catching this because it's very significant. Because as you said at the outset, Joseph, we want to be Bible believing Christians. Yes. And if we're talking about any topic, we have to have to see what the Bible says. So, if if we're wanting to worship on Sunday and we you know, we're, we're sincerely doing that. And like any, uh, anything we do, we have to base it on Scripture. And here we are outlining, you know, six, seven, eight texts from the New Testament account mm. that mention the first day of the week, which is Sunday, and we don't see anything to do with worship. I think that is a huge point to make at the outset, Joseph. It says nothing about worshipping on the first day. In fact, probably over half of them, probably most of them, they're all talking about Christ's resurrection on the first day of the week. Yes. Um, so that's pretty significant. Um, yes. Let's go to the text there in Acts 20, which I think is the one that's quite often misunderstood. And it's the okay. one in Acts 20. So if you don't mind, uh, Joseph, we'll, we'll just go there. I've got my Bible in front of me. I'm just going to open it up real quick. And um, if you look at Acts chapter 20, there's verses 7 and 8 there that um, – that, um, People read and uh, suggest and imply that um, that there is a worship experience there. Here is the New Testament Christians, you know, worshiping on the first day of the week being Sunday. So let me read it for um, our listeners tonight. Let's. Uh, so if you go to Acts twenty and verse seven and eight, um, the Bible says these words: Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Verse 8, there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. So if you look at that text there, that seems to be a text, uh, Joseph, and you probably um, had this in your own experience as a pastor dealing with uh, people who, um, you know, worship on Sunday and use this particular passage to uh, Mm. suggest this. Yes. So if you look at that there, it's, uh, it's very interesting to note that um, when you look at the text there, it talks about uh, they were meeting there on the first day of the week, right? So I've, as you said earlier, some Christians would say, well, you know, there you go. They were meeting there on the first day of the week. But a couple of things I probably just want to point out uh, to our listeners and those who will be listening at a later time Um it says there, and let me just be open with, with our listeners tonight, and I'll give them this. This is perhaps the only text in the New Testament that talks about the first day of the week where it says something that implies or gives the suggestion that there is a worship experience. The Bible says on this day they were breaking bread. Mm. That's what it says there. It says, now on the first day of the week, verse 7, when the disciples came together to break bread, people will say, stop. There you go, Pastor Will. That's an inference to breaking bread. There is a worship. Here is the new scripture command to worship on Sunday. Because now, they, would say, they would say breaking bread. Well, that, that, that's the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But see, when you look at this, um, 
to break bread, it's, it seems to indicate a meal rather than um, specifically the celebration of the Lord's Supper because, as you ah. said, when people say uh, breaking bread, that, that could be talking about the Lord's Supper. But it doesn't seem to say... I mean, we, we're only reading what the text is saying. It doesn't say they were break, this was the Lord's Supper. It just says they were breaking bread, okay? Yeah. So the question I have for our listeners tonight and those who may be in this boat, um, you know, perhaps... Um, uh, being part of a faith group and you're worshiping on Sunday. And by the way, just want to say this one more time. We, we are not attacking individuals that go to church on a Sunday. I, I said to you at the outset, I came from that background. Many others have a similar story to mine, but we're trying to ascertain what the Bible actually says Absolutely. on this issue. So here we go. So the question I want to ask our listeners tonight, Joseph, is, if we take this text, and by the way, we have to look at the totality of Scripture. We can't just base one verse and just, you know, um, create our whole theory, our whole theology off one specific verse. That's um, correct. So does the scene represent a Sunday worship service? And does it signal that early Christians were no longer worshiping God, worshiping God as creator on the Sabbath? Now, I'd have to say, a couple of things on this, and then we'll, we'll probably need to keep moving. But just let me um, share a couple of things on this particular passage, Joseph. Um, first thing I'd like to suggest in this meeting is that the meeting occurs when it is dark. If you look at verse 8 of that chapter in chapter 20, the Bible mentions that there were lamps used. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So and if you look at the context, Paul, the Bible says, he continues his message until midnight and beyond, right? Mm-hmm. So... So you've got that idea. Okay, it's, it seems to suggest it's an evening service, okay, because there are lamps there. We can yes. kind of infer that. Now, if you look at the biblical uh, Jewish way of reckoning time, which Luke seems to use, yep. the, the Jewish views of the dark portion of a 24-hour day. Now, uh, so I'm sounding a little bit technical, but I'm trying to prove a point here, okay? Mm-hmm. So it says that... Um, the dark portion of a 24-hour day is coming before the light portion. So here's what it, what that means. So the Sabbath begins, in, according to Jewish time, it ad- begins on Friday evening and yep. at sunset, and it continues until Saturday evening at sunset. So here's what I say to people who read into Acts 20. Here's my observations on this passage. So when Paul mentions this idea of meeting uh, on the first day of the week when they broke bread, this gathering was actually on the first day of the week, uh, according to biblical reckoning, or what we would call Saturday night. Ah. So, so you know yeah. what? Uh, if you look at some translations, and by the way, translations, uh, you know, they are compiled together by various scholars of a particular uh, faith tradition. But, you know, one of these um one of these translations that I was just looking at online, the Good News translation, now I'm not trying to say this is the, the be-all and end-all of the discussion, but mm. interesting to note that the Good News translation, they quote Acts 20 verse 7 saying this, on Saturday evening we uh, gather together for fellowship. Yes. Now, I'll be fair, there are other translations that say Sunday evening, but it's interesting that, that it could be taken as Saturday night. Okay, so where am I going with this, Joseph? It's simply to say this. This gathering was on the first day of the week we would call Saturday night. So here's what I'd like to connect the dots with in this story. Um, Paul, perhaps, he was meeting with the believers during the hours of the Sabbath. Uh, The Christian community at Troas, they continue meeting 
um, or reconvening with an evening meal. Um, the session is not motivated by some new appreciation for Sunday, but by Paul's travel schedule. Because if you read verse 7, he was ready to it, depart the next day. He had to move on. So, re- re- real, what, what you're really saying there is this is just a, a special meeting. Paul, Paul's traveling and he, you know, he's going from place to place. He's going to be moving on. And so, this is a chance to hear from him and get together with him just before he goes. Um, and that could happen on any day of the week. This is not yeah. not a, not indicating a change of day um, in God's law, where the Sabbath, yeah. the fourth commandment, being changed from the seventh day to the to the first yeah. day. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's a really good explanation. Now, William, there's only one passage left that talks about the first day of the week. It's in First Corinthians 16. Let's let's quickly just mention that one um, because then we've covered every passage in the New Testament that talks about the first day of the week, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Uh, and if you can just read what it says there in verse, right. verse 1 and 2. Sure. So here we go. 1 Corinthians 16 verses 1 and 2. The Bible says now, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also, verse 2, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. Okay. And so people read that and say, okay, there you go. It's a, it talks about a collection. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's an offering. Uh, when we go to church, we, we take up, we collect offerings. And so what we find here is evidence that on the first day of the week, the Christians were worshipping, um, take, taking up offerings. Is that what it's saying? No, I, I don't believe so, because what's happening here is this meeting, um, Joseph, as you would uh, understand as well, it was not a regularly weekly ah, worship service. Right, it, right. It was actually, if you really look at the context, Joseph, it was a meeting to bid Paul farewell. Mm-hmm. So that's why, uh, so if you go back to Acts 2 and verse 46, the fact that they, quote, broke bread, that's what's mentioned in the New Testament church um, in Acts 2, the yep. sermon with Peter, 3,000 are baptized, just because the Bible says, this is very important, just because the Bible says they broke bread, didn't make it a holy day. Okay. Because in Acts 2.46, the Bible says that the, the you know, the new believers, they, they were breaking bread from house to house and daily. So d- don't think that means that every time they broke bread, they were having a worship service. Right. Because it says that they were doing it every day. So you can't be that every time you see the word, Broke bread, it signified a worship service. So, yes. so, um, so first Corinthians 16, one and two, it's, it's basically the eighth and the last of the first day texts in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think a, a good principle here, um, Joseph, and I think one I've already alluded to is, uh, compare scripture with scripture. Yes. And so I think that would, um, alleviate some of the misconceptions. And number two is a context. Yes. Um, so if you were to just read that First Corinthians 16 passage and just read, you know, first day of the week and just automatically imply there's a worship experience going on, you know, that's probably not the best approach because, as you were saying, and I'm sure Nick um, and that what they discussed earlier in the Sabbath, the Sabbath is very clear all through Scripture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we've kind of done a very a bit of a speed read through um, some of those New Testament texts, um, Joseph. But, yeah, Acts 20, 1 Corinthians 16, 
uh, two passages that I, my personal opinion is, is often misunderstood and misapplied to mean that, um, you know, uh, there, there is a Sunday being introduced into New Testament church. Uh, very helpful. Thank you so much, William. Look, we, we need to take a break. And I'm sure that um, th- this is probably generating some questions and uh, re- um, some thoughts, uh, ideas that, that, that our listeners might have. And um, I, I want to say, um, if you've got any questions, just text them through to us on 0488 880 Now, we have a special uh, offer just for, this, uh, just for this program tonight. Um, if you if you're not sure, if you ha- if you think no, I don't know about this. I, I'm not convinced that um, uh, what what what's being presented here on Drive Time, and I still think that you know the uh, with the New Testament it, it shifted to Sunday, and that that's valid, and you know we, we now do that. We, we have a special offer for you if if, if you'd like to set, text in your name and your address. A special offer of a book called From Sabbath to Sunday by Carlisle Haynes. Uh, if you text your name and your address and ask for this special offer just for this program, From Sabbath to Sunday is the name of the book, book From Sabbath to Sunday by Carlisle Haynes. Uh, we'll ensure that this gets sent to you. Uh, in this book, it's a fascinating study of the historical aspects of the Sabbath question, showing how, when, why, and by whom the change was made from the 7th, to the first day of the week. And so, yeah, we want to get you to um, get that copy to you as a special offer for this program. Our number again, 0488 Text your name, your address, and the, na- the title of this book, From Sabbath to Sunday. Well, let's take a quick break, uh, listen to a bit, lovely piece of music, and we'll be back on Drive Time BQ&A.
Welcome back. This is Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Joseph Matichich and Pastor uh, William Mawala. And, uh, and just before the break, we've been looking at all the texts uh, that talk about uh, the seventh day uh, and, and all the texts that, that refer to the first day of the week that are mentioned in the, in the New Testament. Um, and um, once again, I just wanted to let you know uh, we have a special offer if you'd like, uh, and, and, and yeah, wondering and have some questions, uh, please text them through. Uh, and, but the special offer is if you're wanting a bit more information, particularly on this topic, why do so many worship on Sunday, text in your name and your address to our text line number on 0488 And the uh, free offer book for today is titled From Sabbath to Sunday by Carlisle Haynes. Uh, my co-host is William Mawala. And, uh, William, just before the break, uh, that was really good uh, that we covered um, all the references in the New Testament that talk about the, uh, uh, the first day of the week. So having seen all of that, we, we, we come to the conclusion that there is no biblical evidence for a change from the seventh-day Sabbath to the first day as being the day of worship. So where, how did this change then come about? Well, to answer that question, um, Joseph, we're going to need a whole program really to really unpack um, that question. But just to give our listeners just a broad overview, you have to go to the Old Testament because there is a prophecy in Daniel where God gave Daniel a vision of um, a power that would seek to usurp or change God's law. See, I think I think I need to just say this at the outset, Joseph. A lot of times when I talk and have discussions with people about the Sabbath, is it Saturday, is it Sunday? A lot of people think, oh, it's just a day. But the truth be told, Joseph, this teaching is not just about a day. It goes far deeper than that. Mm. We're really talking about the character of God and even more so a power that would seek to usurp God's power. So just very quickly, if you go into Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25, Joseph, if I can just read that. Yeah, let me just jump in, William, because we, we've actually got an episode coming up in just a couple of episodes okay. where, we, where, where it's going to go right through Daniel 7. So it's going to cover all of this prophecy in, in great detail. That's why this, this week, uh, friends, um, okay. this week we're looking at understanding Bible prophecy. So um, because we've only got a few minutes remaining, William, in the time remaining, do you want to just give us a quick over, historical overview of how the change took place? So how the change took place? Well, in Daniel, the Bible talks about a power that would seek to change times and laws. Right. And if I could just get straight to it, um, Joseph, the answer lies in God, God's prophesied word that this would happen. Okay. But then what's really happened is, is that uh, tradition has basically usurped the authority of God's word. So let me just give our listeners tonight a brief rundown into a look into history. And it basically starts with this, um, Joseph. Point number one is this. In the first century AD, and we've said this earlier, there is no evidence of Christians worshipping on Sunday. Yes, and I think that's clear. Yeah, yep. so that's the, the New Testament says Jesus and the apostles worshipped on the seventh day. Point number two, during the second century, now this is where we get into a bit of history. Some Christians in Rome and Alexandria, which is northern Egypt, they began worshipping on Sunday along with the Sabbath. So there were two. So there were Christians in Rome 
they began in Alexandria. They were worshipped on Sunday along with the Sabbath. So now you've got two days, if you will, uh, one being introduced in Rome. That's very important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rome plays a huge part in, uh, pro- in prophecy. Uh, what happens next is from the 2nd to the 5th century, so we're going back a long time, Joseph, the mm. Sabbath was still observed throughout the Roman Empire. But for gradually, before gradually, many Christians started uh, worshipping on both Saturday, Sabbath, and Sunday. And so... so- so, yeah. so there, there, there's a subtle transition happening here, and, and it, it's gradual, not instant, but yeah, it, it, there's yeah. a shift. Yep, yep. Keep going. And there's, a, and there's a number of reasons why, Joseph. Um, if you look at Rome, there was a lot of anti-Semitism, and it, it would cause Christians to distinguish themselves from Jews by dis- discontinuing practices um, that look Jewish. So okay. you've got this idea of uh, second to fifth centuries. Um, then you go. This is where it really boils down to Joseph. In 321 AD, there was a Sunday law was passed by the Roman Emperor Constantine in AD 321. You can look it up in the history books, mm. and it legislated that people should rest on Sunday. And William, at the time, there was also a bit of influence of sun worship. Um, Absolutely. Uh, and Sunday named after yeah, the, the sun god. So, yeah, okay. Uh, a couple of factors playing in here into, into this uh, transition. Yep. So you've got the Roman Emperor instituting Sunday worship, AD 321. Uh, in 364 AD, uh, some 20-odd years later, the Council of Trent, they issued the first ecclesiastical Sunday law. Mm-hmm. law was uh, Basically, this law asked the people, that people that work on Saturday and rest on Sunday. So by 538, Joseph, an even more severe law concerning Sunday worship was passed by the church. So in a nutshell, through pagan and historical figures in Rome, etc., we see a gradual leaning away from the biblical Sabbath and an enforcement of a count. If I could just say this now, a counterfeit Sabbath, which uh, is right. not according yeah. to Scripture. Now, let me end on this because I think this is probably the bullseye, if you will, Okay. because you want to hear it from the horse's mouth. So there is a particular, there's this uh, article, uh, instruction booklet for People wanting, wanting to become Catholic is called the Convert's Catechism of Catholic Doctrine. If you look at the 1977 edition, they have a Q&A. Basically, the whole book is a list of questions and answers for people who want to follow the Catholic faith. Listen to this, Joseph, and this is for our listeners tonight. If you have any shadow of a doubt what the true biblical day is and the reference to Sunday, here it is. They ask this question. Question, which is the Sabbath day? Answer, Saturday is the Sabbath day. Question, why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? That's the question we're asking tonight in our radio program. Mm. Here's the answer according to the catechism. We observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. So there it is. Yeah. Now, thank you very much, William. So that, there's there's a clear explanation from one of the leading denominations in the world um, about how that change has taken place. Well, look, William, this has been a, a really fascinating uh, study that we've gone through and um, really appreciate you sharing that with us, sharing your own experience as well. And I trust that it's been helpful uh, and really insightful uh, as we've gone through and shown that there's nothing in Scripture that shows that there's been this shift. Um, 
and and that it's happened over time and the prophecy has actually predicted it. That's why you need to stay tuned, friends, uh, because in the next couple of presentations, we, this is going to be delved into even in more detail how this change and other changes were, were predicted in prophecy and how, how it took place. Um, William, you know, there are people listening who, who, who might still be having questions, who, who might have challenges or whatever else. Can you just pray for them, please, now as we finish this program? Sure. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this opportunity to uh, share on this very vital topic. Lord, my prayers for each listener that's uh, listening tonight and those who will listen to this program uh, in a later broadcast. Lord, may the Holy Spirit guide them into all truth. Mm. And Lord, we know that Jesus says that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. So Lord, we thank you. Please use this broadcast to spread your truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it looks like our time's up for today. Thank you for joining myself, Joseph Matichic, and William Mawala. Uh, join us tomorrow when Nick Kretter and Mark Wilson will answer the question that so many ask, who is the Antichrist? Hope you can tune in then. But in the meantime, uh, remember that Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be afraid or troubled. May God richly bless you. 